Good morning. Please join me in prayer. Lord, as we sang earlier in this service, praise to the Lord, the Almighty, the King of creation. Oh, my soul, praise him. As spring season emerges, we are reminded that you are the all-powerful creator, and the beauty we see and experience can only come through your design. Even in mornings like today, with rain sprinkled in, it shows us how you replenish and deliver growth. We are forever thankful for your loving care for us. Lord, we pray for our missions team in Honduras serving this week with Forgotten Children's Ministries. Keep them safe during their travels. Use them as instruments to share your good news and to provide aid and hope to the orphans and materially poor they are there to serve. Also, Lord, please bring this team together in unique ways to build genuine relationships and draw each one of them closer to you. We are thankful for their service, humility, and sacrifice. Lord, we pray for the sick and hurting among our church family, in particular for Bill Hay as he battles Parkinson's disease, for Joe Eccles, Kathy Gerardo, Paul Compton, Jess Rutledge, and Kate Lloyd, who are all recovering from recent surgeries. Provide all of these with healing and rest and allow them to regain their strength. We also ask that you provide their caregivers encouragement and strength to serve their loved ones during their time of need. Lord, nothing happens to us by chance, but only by the arrangement of you, our gracious Heavenly Father. We find peace in that knowledge. Jesus, you tell us, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Lord, we are so thankful for this truth. Father, as Robbie brings us your word and message, give us focus to hear it, and may the Holy Spirit provide us the clarity to truly understand it and apply it in our lives. In Jesus' holy and precious name we pray. Amen. Well, it's a privilege to address the faithful remnant this morning. It is the Sunday that's most impacted by spring break, but I'm so glad that you're here. There are some young children who sometimes are invited to go to children's uh, worship, and today they're invited to stay with us, and we're so glad you're here. And I have a nice uh, corner full of candy like this over here on that front pew, and after service, if you make it, uh, you can come see me, and I'd love to give you a little piece of candy. We're glad that you're here. Um, and, and if you're the kind of person that uh, gets distracted by l- the little voices, I've already prayed for you this morning that you'd have patience and experience God's mercy. Our king said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. Uh, maybe you do feel a little bit of disappointment today uh, because others um, are on a really nice uh, trip somewhere. And, uh, and here you are, just stuck here with me. Um, and I'm really glad to be here with you. We're looking at Mark chapter 10, the end of Mark chapter 10, verses 46 to 52. And uh, as, we, as we dive in, I just want you to know that Jesus is better. We're going to see today uh, that Jesus is uh, better than any spring break beach trip. Jesus is better than a spring break cruise, and Jesus is better than a, even a spring break ski trip. So that's our, that's our outline today uh, for Mark chapter 10. And if you'll go with me, I think you'll agree with me that Jesus is better than all these things. 
First of all, let's, let's read it. And they came to Jericho. And as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting on the way. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man saying to him, take heart, get up. He is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. All flesh is like grass and all its glory is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Will you play, pray with me? Oh, Lord Jesus, you have healed many of us from our most acute and profound blindness by opening our eyes to see you in your saving glory. Would you renew and refresh that miracle today and help us see you and the path you've gone for us and laid out for us? And Lord Jesus, for those with us here today whose eyes have not been opened, you're the king, the good king that opens eyes. So do it again today, even from the gospel of Mark. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, I want to see, first of all, that Jesus is better than any spring break beach trip because he's the king who hears cries for mercy. Not kidding, that's who he is. So Jesus is on the way. He goes into Jericho and they leave real quickly. And he's on the way. He's getting closer to Jerusalem. He's told his disciples three times already, we're going and things are going to be really bad for me. He's just made it very explicit in the immediate past passage just before this one, he said, we're going to Jerusalem and the religious leaders are going to condemn me and hand me over to the pagans. And when I get to the pagan, pagans, they are going to beat me and spit on me and mock me and make fun of me and put me to death. And then on the third day, I'll rise again. And so they know this and Jesus is out ahead of them, leading them. He's leading them to Jerusalem. He's his face is set like flint to go and do God's will for his life, which is to lay his life down in suffering. And even though he's leading the entourage and even though he's on the way to his suffering and his death, he hears one person crying out for mercy and he's not too busy to turn and heal him. He hears one cry for mercy and you may have heard it in the passage I just read. Uh, he's with that entourage and everyone is saying to blind Bartimaeus, shut up. They're rebuking him in order that he would be shut up. That's what they're telling him. You're not important enough. We're following the king and the king is going to the royal city and the king has royal business. Don't interrupt the king. And they're rebuking Bartimaeus and 
All the more he's heard Jesus of Nazareth is on his way and all the more he's crying out this royal title, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And he cries it out again and again and Jesus stops and attends to him. Jesus is better than a spring break beach trip because he's the king who hears cries for mercy. Do you believe this? Do you believe Jesus who now he's already died and raised again and he's ascended to the right hand of God, the father almighty, and he's ruling over nations and kingdoms and all things, everything in heaven and earth has been placed into his hands. Do you believe he still hears cries of mercy? He does. He is the same yesterday and today and forever. Jesus, who was leading the entourage into Jerusalem, facing the darkest days of his life, what did he do? He stopped everything and attended to one cry for mercy. And if you need mercy, let me tell you, you can cry out to Jesus and he will hear you and respond. He is the mighty king. He doesn't change and he tends to the cry for mercy. That's him in this passage. He's on the way to the cross, slowing down. And stopping because one man cried for mercy. Who's the one man? Blind Bartimaeus. Uh, No one would have thought of him as important. Why is he on the way from Jericho to Jerusalem? Because he's a beggar. He's a beggar along the side of the road. He has zero status. He can make zero contributions. Contributions. No one's looking at Bartimaeus as a significant or important person. And Jesus hears his voice. I don't know uh, how important you see yourself or how lowly you see yourself, but if you need mercy, you can call out to the king of heaven and on earth. And he hears cries for mercy. Secondly, Jesus is better than any spring break cruise because he's the king who leads. As Chrissy said, he won't be cruising around following the crowd. Nope. Uh, he's doing what he was sent to do. Look at it with me. See, everybody in verse 48, many rebuked Bartimaeus telling him to hush, but he cried out all the more in verse 49. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. Do you see the whole passage turns because Jesus stopped. The crowd is saying, be quiet, be quiet, be quiet. You're not important enough for the king. And the turning point of the passage is when the king stops. He stops everything. He stops the whole entourage and he turns his focus on the one who's crying out for mercy. He won't be cruising around riding the waves of the crowd. He leads the self-important crowd. He leads the crowd who misunderstands him and his destiny. He leads the crowd who misunderstands that there are no little people, that the kingdom of God is for all kinds of people, no matter how needy, no matter how desperate. This is the turning point. It's in verse 49. So just look at, and for a second, I I was tempted to make my whole sermon about this one thing, but look at Jesus's ministry plan. The crowd is saying, be quiet, be quiet, be quiet. And here's Jesus' ministry plan. He turns to them and he says to the people who are with him, call him. They go and they called him. And when they went to call him, what do they say? They said, cheer up, get up. He's calling you. That's a pretty profound and simple ministry plan. Uh, Jesus is calling sinners and people with great needs to himself. If you believe in Jesus, he sent you to go tell people that he's calling them. And when you get in those people's presence, here's what you say. Jesus wants you. 
Jesus is calling you. I've noticed that like I've needed help, you need profound help. And I want you to know Jesus is calling you to himself. That's what Jesus said. Jesus said, call him. They went and called him and they said, he's calling you. That's really simple. Is there somebody that you're praying for? They're living in darkness. Their situation seems desperate. They don't know what to do with themselves and their circumstances. Well, Jesus is calling them. He's sending you to go tell them that he's calling them. And if you'll be faithful, I have zero doubt that Jesus likewise will heal and restore and rescue sinners who need him. But do your friends and your neighbors and your family know that Jesus is calling them? That's our role. Jesus says, call him. They called him and their message was, he's calling you really simple. Third, I want you to see that Jesus is better than any spring break ski trip because he's the king who's come to restore all things. One day, the whole creation is going to be better than 30A uh, plus your favorite ski slope uh, plus your favorite cruise. The whole creation is going to be renewed and restored and all things are going to be the way they're supposed to be. And our uh, desires won't be at the center, but our desires will be fulfilled uh, because Jesus will be the center of all things. We'll be We'll have that beatific vision, God himself face to face. And Jesus has come to bend God's good creation back in that direction. I know that because this is the story of a healing of a blind man. And we read that, you heard that in Isaiah 35. Uh, Yahweh told his people through the prophet Isaiah, and not just Isaiah, that when Yahweh shows up in his gracious saving power, here's one of the things that's going to happen. He's going to heal blind people. The blind will see. They'll see the glory of Yahweh, the glory of the Lord himself. And so I want you to know that this is the end of a really significant section in Mark's gospel. It begins in eight, chapter 8, verse 22, and ends here in our passage. And guess what happens at the, those, those two stories, the bookends, they bracket the whole middle section of Mark's gospel with the healing, two stories of healing blind men. The first one was read for you earlier in our passage, and it's printed on, on the bottom there of page 16. In 8, 22 to 25, Jesus heals the blind man from Bethsaida. And then in our passage, he heals blind Bartimaeus. And in the first story, when he heals the man uh, from Bethsaida, it's a two-part healing story. Remember that? He uh, spits and makes mud, puts it on his eyes and, and heals him. And he says, can you see? And he goes, I can see people, but they're like trees walking. Uh, ints, if you'd like that reference, but they look like trees walking. And then Jesus touches him or heals him a second time. And then he can see clearly, remember the language? And he saw everything clearly. In other words, his blindness was healed in a two-stage act from Jesus. And so what happens in this section after that healing stage is right on the heels of that, Jesus says to his apostles, who do the people say that I am? And they give all these answers. And then Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of God. You're the real king and savior that we've been waiting for. And Jesus is like, that's great. You got it. And then he tells them that he's going to suffer. And then Peter rebukes him. In other words, Peter has seen who Jesus really is. He's the Christ. He's the true king. He's the Messiah. But what Peter and the other apostles can't see is that the way Jesus is going to fulfill his messianic office 
is through suffering and death and then rising again. They can see partially. Their eyes are open to see who Jesus is. He really is the king that God has promised to send, but they can't see that he must suffer first. That's one of the things they can't see. Their eyes are open, but they don't see clearly yet. And there's a second thing they can't see. They can't see that not only the true king and Messiah must suffer and die first, but his path is going to be their path. They keep wanting safety and security and glory and honor. And Jesus keeps saying, I'm headed to the cross and you're going to follow me there as well. So they can see, but it's going to take a little more work for them to see everything clearly. That's the first healing story in the, in this section, the healing of the man from Bethsaida. And then ours at the end uh, is just a one quick healing. And how does Bartimaeus get healed? He cried out to the king for mercy. At the beginning, Peter's arguing with Jesus about how the Messiah is supposed to live and roll out his role. At the end, Bartimaeus just says, oh, king, give me mercy. Let me see. Jesus is the king who's come to restore all things. That's who he is. When he shows up in the narrative and does what Yahweh promised to do to open the eyes of the blind, he's bringing his kingdom. He's bringing his new creation and he's beginning to reveal who he really is and how he's going to bring about the kingdom of God and how he's going to include people like you and me when he does it. You see, Jesus could have rolled into Jerusalem as the great and mighty king and not suffered and inherited all of heaven and all of creation. And that would have been great, but just none of us could have enjoyed it or participated in it. If his messiahship didn't include his suffering in the place of the wicked and the rebellious. And so Jesus is willing to heal anyone's blindness and reveal who he really is. And what it means to be his disciple. So finally, I want you to see Jesus is better than any king, any gift of the king or any idol that threatens to take the king's place. Because his kingly way is to win us by his own defeat so that we can win with him. His kingly way is to win by his own defeat so that we can win with him. The blind spots on both sides of this story are the blind spots on Jesus' three passion predictions. The three times Jesus says, I'm gonna suffer and then rise again. I'm gonna be killed and then rise again. I'm gonna be handed over and beat and put to death and then rise again. The stories bracketed inside these two healings of the two blindness men, they focus on the two things the disciples fail to see that King Jesus' greatest victory will come in his defeat on the cross and that the way of the disciples is to follow his way always to the cross, the way of the cross. Bartimaeus, see, here is the ideal disciple. Look at that question in verse 51. When Bartimaeus comes to Jesus, remember what he asked him? What do you want me to do for you? Does that sound familiar? In the passage right before it, Jesus had just predicted for the third time and the most clearly, I'm going to Jerusalem. The religious leaders will condemn me. The religious leaders will hand me over to the Gentiles. 
the Gentiles will beat me and mock me and spit on me and put me to death and then I'll rise again. And right on the heels of that, James and John come up to Jesus and say, teacher, we have a plan for you. There's something we want you to do for us. And Jesus turns to them and says, what do you want me to do for you? And they, James and John, two of the most significant, two of the three most important apostles among the apostles say to Jesus, we want to share in your authority and your glory. You're headed for some serious glory. And when you get there, we want to be on your left and your right. And now Jesus is talking to blind Bartimaeus, someone who can make no contributions and make no claim to having clout in the kingdom. And he asks him the same question, what do you want me to do for you? And Bartimaeus says, will you please let me see? Don't you see? Understanding the way of the kingdom and understanding why Jesus had to die on the cross and understanding that we must likewise live lives of disciples who go the pattern, the way of the cross. It's always murky and it's always hard to see and we're always gonna shrink back and see something else. But we always can turn to the king and say, oh, King Jesus, with all your authority and mercy, help me see clearly again. Clarify for me the real nature of your messiahship. Clarify me for me once again the real nature of your kingdom. Let me be like Bartimaeus and not like James and John. Blind Bartimaeus sees who Jesus is, the true king who can save. Blind Bartimaeus, what does he do when he sees? He's the ideal disciple. Verse 52, Jesus said to him, go on your way. Your faith has made you well. Your faith has rescued you. Your faith has brought you true salvation. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Isn't that amazing? Blind Bartimaeus hears Jesus of Nazareth is coming and he sees who Jesus is and turns to him for healing and then he's no longer physically blind. Isn't that ironic? Blind Bartimaeus hears it's Jesus of Nazareth and he knows exactly who he is. He's the king, the Lord, the true savior and he turns to him and says, please, please give me mercy. What an irony of who can and cannot see. And I love it. It's just a beautiful scene, isn't it? When, when Bartimaeus is told, he's calling you. <laughs> what does Bartimaeus do? It's right there in verse 50. Throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. That would have been an interesting scene. He throws off his beggar's garments. And he makes his way to Jesus. How fast did a blind man go? I don't know. That's, uh, but that was an interesting scene. He's still blind, but he throws off his beggar's cloaks and he runs aside to come before Jesus, the true king, the true king who has all the power to save him. He calls out for mercy and he receives it. He's healed and saved from his predicament. And Bartimaeus, because he follows Jesus then to Jerusalem, he goes with him. He will receive more mercy still. For Bartimaeus strips himself to come and follow Jesus along the way, but Jesus, the true king, will himself be stripped for Bartimaeus. 
and for sinners like you and me. He'll be dressed like a king for sport by the Romans, then he'll be stripped again and even stripped again on the cross, where with all of his saving power, he gives up his life to ransom everyone who cries out to him for mercy, to ransom the many who forget who the king is and why we're here and tell people, you're annoying to the king, you should probably sit down and be quiet. It's the many who make those mistakes and Jesus gave his life as a ransom for the many. If you recognize yourself in the blindness of the disciples, there's hope you can turn to the king of all mercy who will allow you again to see. Jesus invites you and me to call out to him. He's already called us. Let's pray and meet this king at his table. Oh Lord Jesus, how thankful we are that you heal the blind, that you open the eyes of the blind to give us more than the things we even hope for, that you redirect our hopes and our longings by bringing us to yourself. And Jesus, we admit you've called us to follow you along the way that leads to the cross, but we're afraid and we don't want to lose our lives and we don't want to sacrifice and suffer So we come to you by faith now asking that you would remind us of your love at the table. Share your grace and mercy with us afresh. Renew us as your blood-bought people that by your grace and strength we might walk along this way together. In Jesus' name, amen.